1: Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. Good evening ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to another edition of the Blade Podcast. It is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We cover all things Chicago Blackhawks, all things Detroit Red Wings, and just general news around the HL. Uh, Tonight's episode is going to be a little bit short. Uh, We've had a pretty long one last week, probably I think the longest we've had so far, so tonight's is going to be a little bit short I guess to compensate for it. Uh, the rundown for tonight's show is going to be as follows. First, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple injuries for the Blackhawks' county. Secure, his call called to the uh, NHL. And then someone also calling out Hawks management, but we'll get into that a b- little bit later. And then on the Red Wings' front, uh, we're going to touch on the trade that Detroit had with the Carolina Hurricanes, trading Oliver Kosky for Kyle Wood. Um, the Wings' So far, continuing the losing skid barring the outcome of tonight's game. And then also just a little bit of rumor regarding Athens-U potentially being traded for pieces for the future. So with that being said, I'm your host for tonight, and tonight I'm joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. So guys, let's go ahead and just get into this episode and just get this thing started. So first off, let's start with the Hawks this week, since... There's not really a ton for us to touch on for them this week. So, Calvin Dehan ended up being injured this past week. Uh, Kevin and Nick, why don't you guys go ahead and just walk us through what's that going to mean for you guys' club?
2: Uh yeah, it's uh it's a brutal loss. Definitely. Yeah, after losing already Duncan Keith, we lose probably our second best defenseman. Uh you know, he. he I said a. Co- I think I said it last week that Calvin Dehan was going to be the one to fill in that role, and. Take over Duncan Keith's minutes, and a few games later, he goes down with the the shoulder injury that he got surgery on. So, uh, bad loss for the Blackhawks, a team that's already weak on the defensive court. And if he's out long-term, this could look,
3: turn into an ugly season. Yeah, and DeHaan's been maybe our best defenseman this season. He's been very consistent, and more recently, Jeremy Colton's been giving him a lot more minutes, especially with Duncan Keith out of the lineup. Dahan has been leading defensemen in ice time, and he's really been stepping up. So, now to have him out of the lineup for what's looking like a long time, uh, it's a really tough break for the Hawks. I
1: mean, if Calvin Dahan's out, who do you think gets the call-up from your guys' organization to actually come to the show assuming they decide to keep the roster full of
3: defensemen? Well, so Adam Bokvist did get called up. So. Did he? Yeah, yes. Adam Bokvist got called up. So, I assume the intention is he's going to be getting a lot more minutes now
2: yeah. yeah it's uh it's got all eyes on adam Boquist now i mean this is i mean this is kind of what we predicted during the offseason that he'd finally get a call up when he, obviously the injuries would happen and this is now his time to shine
3: yeah he's going to get a, a a real good opportunity now so i think this actually i mean it's 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 bad for the hawks having to haunt out but Uh, Definitely good for Boquist because he gets a real good chance now um, to show what he can do.
1: When you guys are going to be watching Boquist this coming week in the games, if you guys say there was one thing that Boquist has to do in order to make a case for a full-time job in the NHL, what would you say is probably the one area that he needs to show improvement on after his last call-up?
2: I really don't – I mean, I I guess it's kind of cliche to say it's defensive game because that's always been, like, what the scouts want to knack them on. Um, but if I had really just – I don't know if it's improvement. It's just a suggestion. Just simplify your game. Don't try to get too creative and make the simple plays. Kind of what I said with Kirby Doc, but they're both flashy players. So yeah. they're going to they're gonna try to get creative. And, uh, I mean, it's nice to see the creativity, but sometimes it could lead to unfortunate turnover. So – Simplify your game, and I think he's going to be a successful D-man for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah, you mentioned Kirby Dock is kind of the same thing, where you do see him try to make the flashy plays, and you don't necessarily want to discourage them from doing that because once they have the talent to pull it off, that's going to be really special. So you need to kind of get the right balance of learning when to when it's appropriate to do those kind of moves and when it isn't. Um, I guess my big thing for both is I just want to see consistency. When he was called up earlier in the season, in the handful of games that he played, I was like, whoa, he's uh, better than I was expecting him to be, but can he do that uh, on a consistent basis? We only saw him in a handful of games. What does that look like spread across a couple months of playing in the league?
1: Basically just overall an improvement on defensive game consistency is what you guys are saying he needs to basically bring to the table this time around.
3: Yeah, pretty much. And like, the thing is with how hurt the Hawks are with their uh, blue line. Now he's going to get those opportunities and uh, he'll, he'll be in a spot where he can make mistakes and that's okay because, uh, because they are going to rely on him now. um, He's not going to get punished for making mistakes or anything because they they basically need him to um, be there every night, and uh, so even if even if things he has a few like rough nights, he still needs to be up in the lineup and performing. So I think it's a good spot for him to be in.
1: Okay, and then you guys also were, we were talking about this before the show a little bit. Uh, Sakura ended up getting a stint with the team. Uh, how's that been for you, him so far?
3: I, I would say the thing for Sakura is he's been unnoticeable um he hasn't really been impacting the game positively or negatively he's just kind of you don't really notice him
2: yeah I mean that's really what it is it's just uh you know he's kind of just I mean sometimes he like last year is I guess we seen more of a sample size last year he, he showed me like he knows what he's doing and I think that's still there yeah it's just, it's just the way he performs like he doesn't like he's still try I think he's still searching for his first career NHL goals. So that's yeah. on his, That's on his, uh, on his back. So I think there's just so much pressure on him, just with his history so far. And yeah, it's like like Kevin said, he's kind of really been unnotice- unnoticeable.
3: Yeah, I definitely. I was more impressed when we saw him last season, like the end of last season, because um, I I was expecting him to make the roster out of camp, but then yeah, he had that very underwhelming camp. So. Then he went to Rockford, and then it seemed like he was doing well there. Then he gets called up, and again, kind of underwhelming again.
1: Well, I mean, this can I guess kind of be a uh, a talking point for the podcast as a whole, but like just in general, when you guys see a player get called up, and they tend to be, I guess I call it the best kind of invisible, where a player's not making mistakes but they're also not really generating anything significant. Would you guys rather see a player like that, or would you rather have them either hot or cold, where either they can look at the player and say, these are the areas of improvement that we need to see, or these are the areas that players are already excelling at? or like, would you guys like to see prospects when you see them get pulled up? I mean, David, you can kind of jump on that for us with the wings as well, because, I mean, we're kind of experiencing that right now as well.
0: I mean yeah, we're having um a really big youth movement and I feel like with where we are right now at being dead last, why not just play the kids? Play them, see what they can do.
2: I'm I'm all right with them. I I'm all right with seeing mistakes, because mistakes means they're taking chances. That shows confidence and yet and
0: that's the only way you could really
2: learn is if you If you make mistakes, you're going to learn from. So if you're going to make mistakes, I'm okay with seeing that because that shows that you're confident in what you're doing. It's just didn't work out that time around.
3: Mm -hmm. I think the problem with being unnoticeable is sure you're not making mistakes, but then it's also you're not showing any real signs of potential. Whereas Mm -hmm. like the hot and cold thing can be very frustrating to watch, but you do see that glimmer of talent that you hope can be cultivated in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, we talk about it with Zadina, with us, like, this guy that was supposed to be the third overall dropped to us at sixth, and you have some fans on Reddit clamoring that he's a bust, blah, 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 but the kid's 19, 20 years old, he's got to make mistakes, and he's got to grow and learn from them, and we see, like, right now tonight, he's got two assists and a goal, so you just got to let the players grow.
3: Okay. I think the hot and cold thing becomes a problem when they're like the age of 25 and it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But if they're still a young player, they're like under 22, then, you know, it's reasonable.
0: Something I talk
1: about for a second and then... Uh... Nick, you actually brought this up to me before the show started. I haven't read too much, and basically you brought somebody basically uh, criticizing the Hawks organization pretty hard.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the legendary Pat Foley. Uh, He's criticizing kind of the Blackhawks team and the, the management, the front office. It was basically just ripping on the Nylander acquisition because they said he showed up in the score sheet eight games, and the rest, he looked terrible, so... Pat Foley made some very I, – I, Kevin said it earlier before the show. They were kind of awkward just because yeah. ho- how obvious he was calling out the front the front office and the team. So, uh, I mean, it shows the frustration, though, in Foley. Like, it shows it, – it's the frustration of Blackhawks fans that we traded Henry Yokoharu a promising D-Man and who's flourishing over in Buffalo for Alex d who's kind of – again, he's just – he's not the prospect that he was when he was drafted.
1: Okay. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add for us on the Hawks front before we move over to the uh, Red Wings side of the podcast?
3: No, I, I think, think we're, we're I think we're good for now. We'll get into it once we we start covering the games.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll move into the Wings-oriented news for the week. Um, the first piece we'll just touch on this for just a moment. Uh, the Red Wings ended up trading uh, defenseman Ollikoski for Kyle Wood from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Basically, for those who don't know, Koski was a free agent signing that we made during the offseason, and he wasn't drafted out of anywhere. He basically, we picked him up, and it was one of those signings where if he turns into something, fantastic. If not, you didn't really expect much out of him Anyway. And it kind of sounds like, based on the scouting report I've read from Kyle Wood, it's kind of the same thing. It's basically you don't know for sure what you're getting, but it basically sounds like an AHL depth trade at the moment. Um, what's your opinion on this one, David? Do you
0: like it or no? I mean, people were hyped up about Koski when we draft when we signed him um, as that undrafted free agent, uh, but he hasn't really shown too much this year and i mean it's just we traded an ahl player for an ahl player however this ahl player we traded for is a freaking unit at six foot seven
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what eiserman's trying to do maybe he's trying to pick up a guy who he could see potentially mm-hmm. as a sixth defenseman who could be just a big muscle guy maybe that's what this move is because i mean if i remember right isn't isn't kyle wood younger than Al
0: I think so. Let me look. Lower Kosky. I
1: mean, either way, it's really not like a hero. They're the same age. They're both 24. Okay. So, I mean, either way, it's not really like this trade that's going to be making significant changes to your lineup. This is really a depth trade more than anything else.
0: I mean, he might just be trying to get big guys. I mean, we have Dylan McElrath, who's 6'5, six 6'7. Maybe he's just trying to stack up a strong defense even if the guy never makes it to the wings he's just swapping defensive players around trying to find what he wants okay and then uh the next piece of news
1: i mean i guess you can kind of call it news it's more of a rumor than anything else um rumors being that the the wings might be looking to potentially move andreas athanasiu during the off season i mean it's no secret, he hasn't really been anywhere near as electric as he was last season. Last season, he put up 30 goals. This season, he's really been struggling. Um, now, granted, you also, as unfair as it is in an evaluation process, you have to look at what he's playing with. So it's in some ways also a question of are the guys that he's playing with good enough to get him to where he's been in the previous years? Um What do you think on this one,
0: David? Uh, I mean, he's been hurt. Like, he's hurt right now, and that's why he's not playing. Um, He's one of those players that I think it's a mentality where when he's struggling, he's struggling, but when he's hot, he's hot. Um, Yes, he's young. Yes, he's fast. Yes, he has talent, but he's not producing right now. We have... Guys that we need to be bringing in, like Zadina, Valeno, uh, players like that. So I feel like if Eisenman was to trade him, it would be for, you know, a top pairing defenseman or a high first round draft pick or second round draft pick. So it's just if he's not producing now and we need to improve, we have guys that are waiting in the wings. He might need to be moved on. I mean, that's sort of the thing I think really
1: with this season in particular, right? Like if you looked at last season, how he ended this seat or ended last season, it was at least if you looked at the team on paper, he obviously had a spot, right? But yeah. this season, Phil Sedina is starting to come to his own, which we'll talk about that. In a minute. Uh, Robbie Fabry mm-hmm. has been a really surprising, good pickup for us. And it's one of those things where if like let's say Eisenman wants to go with Fabry as a long-term option for this team, Athanasio is kind of a redundancy on this roster at that point, and it's got to get moved. Like, yeah, it's almost one of those things where he's the—he went from being a sure thing to being the odd man out almost within the course of a season. I mean, Kevin and Nick, you guys are on the outside of the Wings organization. What do you guys think the Wings could probably get for him if they were to move him on the trade block to some other team?
3: Well, I'm just curious because you mentioned that the rumor is at the end CU in the off season they want to trade him. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering why they wouldn't try to move him at the trade deadline.
1: I mean, I'm not sure if maybe it's one of those things they want to try to uh, sign him to like a deal and then trade him, okay. or because I mean, like we've seen that with uh, who is it Tatar a couple seasons ago that happened. He ended up I mean, getting Mark Stone at the
3: deadline did uh, <laughs> sign and trade to Vegas at they the deadline, were... yeah.
2: Uh, so, I, mean, I, I'm... I don't know what you would get in return right now, though, Like with the injury and then him. I mean, obviously the deadline's two months away still, but it, uh, I think your best option would be trying to get a deal done before the deadline, like sign, signing it before mm-hmm. the deadline and extension, and then trying to trade him, because... At the deadline, you're going to get a higher, higher return because people are teams are desperate to get uh, players that help them go towards the playoffs. And yeah, I think uh, the best move would be signing them and then
3: trying to trade them before the trade deadline. I think at the trade deadline, you can probably get like you know from a contending team like a late first and a B prospect.
2: I think that's very much in a uh, realm of possibility.
3: I mean, that's I mean Ryan Hartman got that so. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. And Anthony is a much more proven player than Ryan Hartman has been yeah. and ever was.
1: So, I mean, what do you think we... You said you
3: basically think we should get like a top pairing D for him, right, David? Oh, yeah. A top pairing D? I don't think so. I think you could get a second pairing defender, but... like Top pairing defensemen in this league very rarely mm-hmm. get traded. Um, I think you would have to move like a really elite level player for that to happen.
1: You know, here's an interesting idea. What about Athens, Sioux, and, and Evgeny Svechnikov in a package deal? See, so Svechnikov hasn't really came back into the roster yet. and I mean, yeah, we're not he, really sold on him yet. I mean, there's yeah. no...
3: I mean, if you can find a team that wants to take on that project, um, actually, it would be really fun if he went to Carolina and played with his brother.
1: I was actually just gonna say Carolina's got a surplus of defensemen right now. Like that yeah. almost would be like perfect to get the Sveshnikovs both playing there. That's a marketing thing that they could use. They yeah, they a- could
3: use at the NSU to bolster that uh, playoff roster.
1: Yeah, like that's actually something I was thinking about this weekend. I heard the rumors coming out. Like I think maybe that could potentially be a real option.
3: Yeah, it might be. I'm trying to think uh, who on the blue line would be a good fit. Um, I mean, Hayden Murray would definitely be an option. They would have to add to him. Um, but he's like a young defenseman. If, uh, Detroit wants to, you know, add someone with potential.
1: See, I mean, because I mean, like you look at the wings, uh, prospect pool, right? Moritz Sider is based on what we've seen so far looking like he's going to be a very good shutdown defenseman. Bill Peronic is already shown he belongs on this roster. So, I mean, you add Chalowski and maybe somebody that they pick up from Carolina, that's your top four potentially in either the next two years or three years. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad top four, assuming it goes the way that it's on pace to go right now. True.
3: Yeah, I could see that being a suitable trade partner for sure.
1: And then uh, we have one more piece. I guess it's Wings news uh, before we talk about Zedina for a minute. But uh, the Wings, I believe right now, are on their worst losing skid since the dead wings era so oh as of this moment the wings are currently 4-2 over the winnipeg Jets, so it looks like it's gonna get snapped but just a little fun uh tidbit um, i just mentioned him i kind of want to talk about zadina for a minute uh he's sort of been up and down with the team the past week i mean if you go on the wings or the grand rapids griffins facebook's pages I swear every other post says Philip Zedina sent up or called down or sent down. I don't know. Do you like the – Iserman's moving him like this or not? Iserman's moving what? He's moving Zedina up and down like this constantly, or do you think he should just sit in the (sighs) NHL?
0: I mean, yes and no. I, I like seeing him come up and seeing him test himself against the big league, and he just gets a lot more playing when he's going back and forth in terms of just staying on one or the other. So it's helping him get a feel for the NHL. Um, I don't know. I think Eiserman's starting to really lean towards keeping him up, in my opinion.
3: I don't personally like a constant back and forth, like up and down, up and down. I think you need to just make up your mind because (laughs) I think that just puts the prospect in a weird position. It might be Mm -hmm. a bit deflating, to keep having that constant movement, I think you should just kind of stick to one.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with Kevin. I think uh, kind of just commit to something that way. Because moving him up and down NHL, AHL consistently is just gonna. It's not gonna do anything for his confidence. Yeah, completely. that's hard on a guy, and like, like, he can't get comfortable because he's gonna. He's just basically walking on eggshells, and then next thing you know, he would be heading to Grand Rapids, then Detroit you know, a week later. So. Yeah, it's hard to really develop, or really hard to get that confidence and mentality to play if you're not knowing what the plan is for you.
1: Okay, well, I think that's pretty much gonna be uh, it for the Wings and Hawks specific discussion this week.
2: I got oh. one more thing. One more thing, uh, Jordan. Okay. Uh, the I just news that kind of leaked out this uh, this past week that the Blackhawks are removed to play in another winter classic game against, oh, God.
3: against the Against Minnesota
2: uh, Wild in twenty twenty one. Please no. Yeah, I'm tired of these outdoor games. Uh we're never good during them. I, I I actually got to see the only one they've won outdoors. So yeah. Just the keep, anomaly. Yeah, just keep this keep the Blackhawks out of the outdoor games just because it's never worked out.
3: Keep them inside. Yeah. I would love to see Minnesota Winnipeg as the match. Up. i know that would be great for ratings but it would be really fun rivalry
1: so, hey, like i enjoy the outdoor games but i think having them every year sort of makes them lose the specialness of it yeah i mean because you mean, have the outdoor games you have too. the stadium series you have like what was it the two class or what was it two classes right the heritage and the uh winter classic
2: uh yes but the heritage is always vancouver right
1: yeah I see isn't that the one that's usually uh, two Canadian teams, I think?
2: Yeah, it is. I thought Vancouver was always one, the one one of the teams that was in it.
1: Yeah, but either I way, could... I mean you have two outdoor games and it's every single year, plus you have the stadium mm-hmm. series i I don't know. I think they've kind of started to lose their specialness just because we see them so often now.
2: Well, I know it would be cool for the Winter Classic to make it like more popular for the nation national audience rather than just our own fans, our own fan bases. So you know, did you guys hear the rumors? Of how the I know it's basketball, but the NBA is kind of trying to think of like doing tournaments in the middle of the season to
3: I saw that, yeah.
2: Well, I think what the uh, what should be done, or it'd be a cool idea for the NHL to kind of expand their viewership is like not I, I shouldn't say Christmas break, but have like a break period sometime before New Year's, do a tournament, and make the championship game the Winter Classic game. Have a neutral, a neutral arena. Set set a specific place you want the Winter Classic to play, and then the two teams that make it to the championship are playing the Winter Classic on New Year's Day.
3: I think the problem is that there's no real incentive for the players to perform. Like, what do you, what would be the benefit for the teams winning?
1: The players yeah, on really, the winning team each get an extra two million dollars cash.
3: <laughs> I didn't really think of that. I didn't really, I didn't really think. You want to yeah. see some guys compete? Then they'll compete. <laughs> yeah, that'd be my only thing. Or like maybe they could tie it into the All Star Weekend or something and make it All Star teams in a tournament or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, but they. Uh, I I think we kind of. I like how they went with a different route this year for the uh, Winter Classic. But yeah, the keep throwing the Blackhawks out there is just gonna get. I mean, people are already tired of it. So yeah. Uh, I mean, even Hawks
3: fans are the most tired of it.
2: We're gonna lose every goddamn game you throw us outdoors, so please stop.
1: (laughs) Say, who is it? Dallas and Nashville had an outdoor game. this right. Yeah. Oh god.
2: I I don't think it's even outdoors though. I thought it was inside Cowboys Stadium. Oh, is it? (laughs) Yeah. So it's a winter classic, but it's still inside a dome. It's cool. It's uh, it's solid fun.
1: I, I miss that. I remember that now that you brought it up, though.
2: Yeah, so uh, I don't know how you could really call it a winter classic. Classic to be like a throwback to pond hockey, but whatever.
1: <laughs> it's a it, there's a sunshine in on the rink. It counts as outside. Maybe that's how they justify it. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: There's there's, a, there's windows.
1: Uh, but I think that'll wrap up the wings and the hawk specific talk. Um, as far as I saw this week it was... The main story for the uh, NHL is a lot of coaching changes as of this past little stretch. Um, admittedly, I've been working a ton of overtime at work, so I've been able to keep up with them very much. Um, Nick, you said you had the list in front of you.
2: Yeah, this past week the big one was Jim Montgomery, which kind of came out of nowhere. And then uh, the Sharks head coach, is it Pete DeBoer? Is that his first name, Pete, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. All right, so yeah, those are the two firings this week, and uh, the Jim Montgomery one is interesting because yeah. the, the stars have been, you know, they've been the last two seasons they have they've had to be called out about their performance. and so this they got the Sagan and Ben just got called out a couple of weeks ago, and now Jim Montgomery's fire got fired, and there's really no reason why. The only reason they said was. Unprofessional conduct, which is starting to swirl rumors, but uh, Pierre LeBron already kind of put uh, water over those flames because he said that it wasn't anything like Babcock or Mark Crawford or Bill Peters. So there's a lot of speculation on what happened, though, in the term of unprofessional conduct.
1: See so, yeah, I mean, with what's been coming out recently about other coaches? I mean, do you think it might be one of those things, the things where the team's trying to do damage control before the firestorm?
3: Yeah, I mean, it yeah. could be. Uh, probably. <laughs>
2: I just, I'm kind of intrigued to see what exactly happened. I know some the media has it somehow, but they can't really run with it because it's not confirmed. But I'm interested to see the the true reason behind why he's fired because it's
3: it seems like an interesting story, and I I don't know what what it could be. Yeah, at this point, like I don't know. I don't want to like speculate on anything that we don't know yet.
2: Yeah, it's it's someone's life. It's nothing. It's nothing worth speculating. It's per, it's a personal matter. So
3: we'll see what because yeah, like it could be something really terrible or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a a personal problem like a Kuznetsov situation. Yeah,
1: don't really want to speculate on something that we're not for sure yet.
2: Yeah, and then Pete DeBoer, uh, you know, it was kind of expected. They, I thought he was going to get fired earlier when the yeah. Sharks were terrible, the underperforming Sharks team.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised and, uh, it
2: went on this long. Yeah, so just uh, the end of Pete DeVore and San Jose. But I, I like their new coaching staff. They they brought on former goalie of getting a backup back up to their coaching staff. So, uh, yeah, underperforming Sharks team needed a coaching change. So we'll see where that goes for the rest of the season.
1: How is the Sharks team this terrible? Like, I like how do you look at that roster and say, yes, this is the record that this team should have?
3: I don't know. Uh, I guess it must... I mean, I hope it's just a coaching thing and then maybe they get things back on the road. But, like, yeah, you look at the roster and you're like, this is a team that's really underperforming.
1: Like, I mean, who was uh, it? They lost Joe Pavelski the offseason. Like, the that's not a... That's and not a small And also, Like, yes, those are not, you know... Those aren't small losses by any means, but there's still a very decent group there.
2: I think it's a lot of... Eric Carlson injuries and then him underperforming when he's on yeah. the ice. I mean, you're paying that guy, how much was it? What is he making? Like nine, nine mil? Eight yeah,
1: mil? it's something around that.
2: So if you're paying these guys like Brett Burns and Eric Carlson, the team's underperforming on the reliance of these two dynamic offensive defensemen. And it's
3: clearly showing. And they definitely missed Joe, even though he's struggling in Dallas. Oh, just to clear. IRFI, Carlson's making way more than that. He's making an 11.5. Jeez, oh my gosh, it's
1: even worse.
3: I didn't, re- I didn't even realize it was that much. <laughs> oh my god, Christ.
1: Jeez, yes. o. Next so, yeah. eight years.
2: So, yeah, when you're paying Eric Carlson 11.5 to not be the player he was
3: last year and in Ottawa, it's, you're going to struggle. Oh boy, oh, that's, gosh,
1: that's almost McDavid money.
3: Yeah. That, that makes the Seabrook contract look good. <laughs>
2: And that's a rare occurrence it's hard to make that contract look yeah.
3: good was
1: that basically it for the uh, the coaching changes Nick?
2: Uh, yeah It's just I just keep finding it funny that five coaching changes have been made since the Red Wings last won a game and somehow Blashill's still the bench boss over there <laughs>
0: oh my I, gosh
2: I don't mean to rub it in guys I know it's painful
0: how <laughs> dare you tell me how to feel how dare you tell me how to feel? <laughs> you know, did he's you guys see that job now that we're winning?
1: Did you guys see that, uh, that me and my son in the uh, the group
2: text about Santa Claus? Yes,
1: yeah.
3: that is oh, Mimai's yes, Mimai's that like,
2: one was good. Santa,
1: what do you or what do you want for Christmas? I want a dragon. Come on, let's be realistic. Okay, I want the wind to All right, what color dragon do you want?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad that it's at that point. You, know, you don't. What you guys winning right now, right?
1: We're winning right now, but come on, we've seen some pretty good meltdowns so far this season.
2: I'm rooting for one. It's I'm no offense, boys, but it's been a rough. Me, I need I need some kind of joy because the Blackhawks the Blackhawks tonight aren't doing it.
3: Whenever a team is tanking, like the only way to get through it is to joke and meme about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the only way.
1: You know what the worst part about this, though, for the wings is, is that they did this to themselves. This I, I, is like the culmination of just terrible contract management. Yeah, you know?
2: I, I think the worst part is Detroit fans. What 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 else do Detroit fans have to do? Are they gonna go turn on the Lions? No. Uh, Drink at the
1: bar. Oh.
2: Uh, are they gonna turn on the Tigers when they come back on? No. Basketball. You... I, the basketball yeah. at league sucks. So,
0: why do you? Why, why must you hurt me?
2: It's because I am a Chicago fan. I'm used to this paint. So you guys are oh, finally going
3: through it. Although
0: well, Derek Rose just made a sweet buzzer beater the other night. It was tight. But oh, yeah.
3: Derrick Rose yeah. is still playing?
0: Yeah, he's on the Pistons now. Well. And they were like they interviewed him and then he's like, Yeah, I just do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <he> made like, <laughs> That's awesome. He made like a spinning step back jumper.
1: There, there's nothing to root for if if you're a Detroit sports fan right now.
0: There's uh, there's
1: no. zero joy to be had.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard, guys. Uh, it, just fight through the pain. Fight through the pain.
1: I mean, how, how are the uh, the who's it the uh, the Bears doing this season? I haven't really been keeping up with the uh, the NFL much.
2: Uh, underperforming, but they are in the hunt for the playoffs. So we're gonna take Good it and luck. roll with it. We're gonna take Good it and in roll that with
0: it. North and North or the NFC is just stacked right now with winners.
2: They are, but uh, hopefully the Bears, you know, they could get me through some of this struggling times that the Blackhawks have put me through right now. So
1: <laughs> struggling times. You guys are coming off of three Stanley Cup wins in like seven years. I don't <laughs> think these are struggling times.
2: That felt like 20 years ago, the way these seasons have gone the last year. No You're kidding.
1: <laughs> if that's struggling times, I will gladly struggle.
2: Uh, then hop on, buddy.
1: <laughs> All aboard the
0: pain train.
1: Well, if nobody has anything else to talk about outside the uh, NHL, because this is kind of a quiet week. All right, well, I think that's pretty much uh, going to wrap up the news around the NHL for this past week. I'll- it's a pretty quiet week for the most part. The coaching change is really being the main thing that we're coming out in the news. Um, before we do our flash-forward and our flashbacks for the teams for this week, uh, last week, for those of you who listened to the uh, podcast or who didn't listen to the podcast, uh, Nick came up with a really interesting idea that I kind of wanted to do, where, I mean, this decade is about to come to an end, it's 2019 right now. The year's about to wrap up. And so basically the idea was you could take team or t- players from your organization who have played in the 2010, 2011 season through the current season right now. And you just sort of assemble, like a, I guess, like a decade roster, if you will, of players. And the, before we do the recaps, I kind of want to do this because it's... Cause he, seems like a pretty fun idea to just compare lists with uh, each other. So let's go ahead and just do that because I think it's kind of something fun to do. Um, like I said, the, the rules are from the 2010-2011 season forward, you could select anybody who played for the organization, even free agents who were playoff run type pickups. Um, we started with the Blackhawks for the new, so I feel like it just is fitting to start with them right now for the decade roster so uh kevin or nick which one of you guys wants to go first with the roster
2: nick you go first all right so yeah so uh you know quite the decade for the chicago blackhawks i know how i just mentioned we've been struggling the last three seasons but you know it was a decade to remember and there's just it was a tough decision there's just so many guys that could could really be put on this list so uh this homework was kind of tough tougher than some of my college classes so uh without <laughs> <for you. laughs> Uh, Knicks All-Decade team. The first line, I have Patrick Sharp on the left wing, centering Jonathan Taves and Marion Host on the right. Second line, Artemi Panarin, Brad Richards, Patrick Kane. Third line, Alex Debrinkit, Antoine Vermette, Brandon Saad. Fourth line, Andrew Shaw, Dave Bolin, Michael Froleek. And then defensive pairings, Keith Seabrook, Merson Oduya, and Dustin Bufflin and Brian Campbell. And then my goalies are Crawford and Niemi, And the bench boss, the greatest, Joel Quinville.
0: <laughs> oh, you picked coaches? Jesus.
2: No, I'm just saying it, just cause I'm I'm out of Jeremy Carlton again. <laughs>
0: All right, so, uh,
1: Nick, go ahead and explain to us, I guess, uh, the roster that you put together and how you put it together. Basically, walk us through the lines that you put together and the reasoning behind them.
2: All right, so, yeah, I mean Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Tays, and Marion Hosa, they were kind of – they were that line. They were always that number one line when they were all on, this, on the Blackhawks. So I just felt it was fitting to keep them together. They were legends for the Chicago Blackhawks this past decade, and if not longer. So I felt like it was necessary to keep them together because Patrick Sharp just was unreal with the Blackhawks. Mary Hossa, I can't even begin to describe how lucky we were to have him and how much he meant to this organization. And, of course, Jonathan Taze. And so second line, Panarin, Richards, and Kane, I I just feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Panarin and Kane are like bread and butter. And then Brad Richards had his best season, or one of his best seasons late in his career. Playing with Patrick Kane, I just felt like it was is necessary center. Alex Abrinkit, he's going to be the franchise for a long time. So, and the way he's performed, the three seasons he's been with us so far, it's just, he's been unreal. And I I couldn't leave him off the roster. Antron Vermette, kind of a, it, it was kind of weird for me to put him on here, but he was so clutch in the 2015 playoffs. And I liked his game and what he brought. I just liked uh I just liked what he brought to the team and how clutch he was, so I wanted to put him on. And then Brandon Saad, just because I feel like he would, be, he would have been a good pairing with them. And then the Shaw Bowling for line, that would just be my shutdown line. Just guys that are going to be dirty areas and just be nasty and a pain in the ass to play against. And then the pairings, Keith Seabrook, kind of natural. I kept the Sweden boys together with Jalmers and Oduya. Just, they were uh, they were the shutdown pairing in Chicago for several years, and then Dustin Bufflin making the list even though he was really with us for one year in, or not even a full year this decade. So, and then Brian Campbell just one of those franchise altering players with the Blackhawks head that ch- kind of shaped the franchise to what it is today. Pretty,
1: pretty decent list, I, I think it's it's got some pretty good. Like decisions behind who's on whose lines and why. Uh, Kevin, what's what's your roster look like?
3: Yeah, so Nick, really good roster there. Mine, I think I had a little bit more recency bias than yours. You definitely had uh, some really key contributors with those Cups on your roster. Um, yeah, some of my picks are a bit more recent, I guess, that weren't involved with the Cups, but yeah, so on my top line uh, same as your top line, Sharp Taves, Hosa. Then second line, I've got Panarin, Dano, and Kane. And then third line, I've got Debrinkit, Strom, Taravainen. And fourth line, Saad, Shaw, Froelich. And then defensively, top pairing, Keith Seabrook. Second pairing, Campbell, Jalmerson. And third pairing, Letty Bufflin. And then for my goalies, I've got Crawford Leonard.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough decision for that secondary goalie.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I know Leonard, we haven't had a full season with him yet, but he's already just so impressive that it was hard for me to leave him off.
2: I I was like you with Letty, too. I mean, I was kind of teeter-totting throwing let Letty on there, but I, I wish I did just because of the offensive firepower he brought. But, yeah, great, list of great team. I know you said, like you said, you had more recency, but... It's just a phenomenal list, regardless, just because the impact all those players have made so far with the Blackhawks.
1: So, Kevin, go ahead and uh, walk us through, I guess, the, uh, the lineup that you have, and and
3: like why, who's on whose line, et cetera. Yeah, I mean Sharp, Taves, Hossa. I mean, how do you not have those guys together? All just incredible uh, and super important to this team this decade. Um then I had Panarin, Dano, Kane. Those three never played together, but um well Kane and Panarin did, but I mean Dano didn't uh play with them uh well didn't play with Panarin anyway. But yeah, obviously Kane and Panarin, if you're doing an all decade team, they have to be on the same one together. And Dano, although he didn't really flourish with the Hawks, he's kind of flourishing now with the Canadians. Um but you know, a great player. That we drafted uh that he probably shouldn't have traded away. it was a bad trade, uh-huh. but uh yeah, then third line Durinkket and Strom there with Tara Vinan, Tara another player that we unfortunately had to put <laughs> away, but uh yeah, Derinkket and Strom together, I mean, I have them on this decade team, but they're gonna be in the they'll be in the next decade team as well for sure. Uh, because they, those are two guys that are going to be the future of this team going forward, and and on the fourth line, I have Saad, Shaw for I think that's a really good fourth line because those are some uh, Sod and for Leak are great two-way players, and Shaw ha- has that grittiness that you want on the fourth line. And then defensively, Keith Seabrook, they speak for themselves. Uh, Campbell Jarmulson, I paired together because. You got the offensive mixed with the shutdown, so they complement each other. And then, Letty Bufflin. Uh, Letty was a really good offensive defenseman for the Hawks, uh, and that was a great trade for them to acquire Letty. And Big Buff, how can you not, even though he was only there for the one season, but uh, a really great player. And then, yeah, Crawford Leonard, just a great goalie tandem to have.
2: Kevin, a little let down, no Ryan Carpenter?
3: No Ryan Carpenter.
2: No Ryan Carpenter on the list.
3: No, no Ryan Carpenter. I do love the guy, but
2: uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Maybe if maybe if he uh remains a, a key contributor into next decade, but uh, he could make like the fourth line for next decade's team. But uh, yeah, he's on the healthy scratch list right now on these teams. Yeah, he's a healthy scratch. <laughs>
1: All right, um. Do you want me to go first for the Wings organization? Or do you want me to go first? You can go. Okay, so uh, my roster is going to be as follows. Uh, first line, Tatar, Jetsu, Dequist. Second line, Holmstrom, Zetterberg, Franzen, Third line, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi. Fourth line, Cleary, Draper, Helm. And then defensive pairings are Lidstrom,
2: Cronwall,
1: Stuart, Rafalski, Green, Jensen. And then for the goalies, it's uh, Osgood and Howard.
2: And your reasonings for the lines...
1: So, uh, first line, the Tatar, Datsuk, Nyquist line. Uh, Tatar and Nyquist are both really great players. Tatar more as a scorer than Nyquist is, I think, a good mix between a playmaker and a sniper. I mean, he started out almost basically as a pure sniper and sort of turned into a playmaker, and then you have Datsuk, arguably one of the best players to ever play for the wings and some of the best hands in hockey history for that matter. I mean, there's a reason they call him the Tatsuki and Deeks. Uh, second line, Zetterberg, Holmstrom, and I call that the big man who can score a line. Uh, Franzen was probably the, one of the most dominant power forwards we had of the era. Uh, Zetterberg, just a fantastic playmaker for setting up and Holmstrom was really good about just finding weird ways to get goals. Uh, the Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi line, we've already seen it this season. It can be just absolutely amazing. Larkin's extremely fast. Bertuzzi can play the dirty areas, and then Mantha is basically friends and light until he really gets that next step forward. And then Cleary, Draper, and Helm on the fourth line. It's a shutdown line. Um, I know Helm could have been interchanged with NBL, else, but but I really liked Helm's speed, and I like him as a penalty killer, so I just think he fits the fourth line perfect here. And he can also slide in as the defenseman if you don't want uh, Draper taking draws. Uh, Defensive pairings, Lidstrom-Cronwall, you're talking about arguably the best defenseman ever to play the game with Nick Cronwall, who was just one of the best hitters when it came to defensemen for Detroit. Uh, Stuart Rafalski Rafalski just a great defenseman He wasn't lights out but I I really like the way that he played the game and Stuart like, same way he wasn't you know lighting up the scoreboard night after night but just he was dependable when you needed him and then the third pairing uh green and Jensen Jensen's uh what's it called his possession metrics were actually really good even though he was on a uh, pretty mediocre team for his tenure in detroit when he was actually playing the wings organization and you need an offensive defenseman somewhere in your lineup a guy who's basically almost a purely offensive defenseman so mike green sort of fills that role and then the goalies osgood and howard i mean osgood has got arguably hall of fame level stats i mean some people said you know he's He's a product of the team in front of him. I disagree. I've watched him multiple times without the team really putting out a solid effort in front of him. He's still, absolutely still a game. And it has basically been the second best goaltender this organization had outside of Howard in this decade, so that's sort of why I went with this lineup.
2: I like it. I like uh, the nice little mix that you have in there with the current players and then obviously all the veterans that you know, Detroit kept, kept relied on for so many years, so yeah, I liked your lineup, Jordan.
3: Any lineup with Lidstrom is a good one.
2: Yeah, you could throw him out for thirty minutes a night, and you know, come away with come away with a six-one victory with that lineup.
1: I mean, I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody said that uh, uh, as soon as he, re- I mean, as soon as he retired, Duncan Keith became the best two-way defenseman in the NHL. I mean, you don't get that sort of praise very often without being a good player. Hmm. And it also speaks to how good Duncan Keith is as well. So, you um, make
2: me cry because I don't get to watch him for a while.
0: <laughs> uh, David, I wish we could you, still man. watch Lidstrom. God, I wish we could too. Uh, I. Right, so like the ghost defenseman for me. I want to start from the back end to the front. Um, so goalies, just like Jordan, um, Osgood, and Howard. Osgood's probably been one of my favorite goalies we've ever had. Um he like you said have has Hall of Fame stats he stepped in in the 08 cup run when Hashik was struggling and helped lead us to the cup with his excellent play jimmy howard um i just enjoyed watching him i'm sad that he's not been able to win one um but there's no many there's not many others to pick from in 2010 to to, to now in terms of goalies defenders um I would go Lidstrom, cronwall I mean, you have the perfect human, probably the best defender, one of the best players of all time. Um, cronwall, who, you know, had a good shot, but he was also good at just knocking people down. I mean, they made a verb out of his name. <laughs> um, Rafalski and Stewart. I mean, Rafalski was this player that stepped in very, very smart hockey IQ defenseman. Um, I liked seeing when him and Lidstrom were on the same line together because they both just knew how to control that, uh, the ice. Um, Brad Stewart, like you said, he's not a guy that's going to show up on the scoreboard a lot, but he is very dependable, and he helps carry the game. And then my last pairing, um, Nick Jensen and Philip Horonic. So we had very similar, except I put Horonic in. Um, I think Horonic has shown flashes that he's going to be a top pairing defenseman in the future. I mean, he just scored again, so he scored an empty netter. So he has seven goals in the season for a defenseman. Um, my forward lines, we have some similarities. Um, my first line: Zetterberg, Datsuk, Franzen. That, like putting the, the Euro twins together with Datsuk and Zetterberg, was just unfair for a lot of teams, and I'm still shocked as to why we would keep splitting them up uh, and then putting Franz in with them just makes them even more deadly. Um, my next line is uh Larkin Bertuzzi Manta, the MLB line. That line reminds me a lot of the Datsug Franz and Zetterberg that they are going to be really great for years to come. Um, My third line, I have Nyquist, Tatar and Holmstrom. And this was a tough one for me because I had really considered swapping Nyquist out for someone that I have as my healthy scratch, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, and then, my, I mean, you said it before Tatar and Nyquist in their prime with the wings were just fantastic. Thomas Holmstrom was a guy that got in a lot of goalies' heads, messed with a lot of teams, was able to, you know, get a lot of those nice redirect goals. Um, and then my final line was probably a line I enjoyed as a kid, our grind line with Draper, Cleary and Maltby. I love Danny Cleary with a passion. Um, he was just that gritty player that was able to just get those goals in. Like, I think my favorite goal he ever scored was the, uh, game winner against the ducks in the playoffs. I think it was Oh nine where he got knocked on his ass and then like was trying to get up, saw the puck and just swatted it in for the winner. Um, I love him. I love that he has his own hockey school, <laughs> the Danny Cleary Hockey School, and I'm really considering pulling the trigger on buying a hat <laughs> from it. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, my team. My healthy scratch uh, that I considered swapping in and out was Yuri Hudler. Yuri Hudler is another guy that I just love. Like he's just this gritty player that can score, and for the longest time. My uh, background on Twitter was, I think it was the 08 Cup game when we were playing against the Penguins and uh, Malkin was getting escorted to the bench and he was like looking mad and someone photoshopped Yuri Hudler as the entire Red Wings bench laughing and it's like the Hudlers are laughing at you. <laughs> he was just very memeable, but yeah, um, that's my team.
2: It kind of sounded like uh, you between you and Jordan. It seems like uh, you know how you copy off someone's test in class, and then you change your answer with like maybe here and there. Yeah, that's what your deep pairing sound like. seemed like because you had like, I think you guys had identical deep pairings, then you swapped out heroic and effort. Jordan. Who did you? He had prefer? Green. Yeah,
3: there he you green. go.
2: So a little, uh, it, it seemed like a little situation. You're like, all right, let me change this answer so the teacher doesn't catch me. Exactly. <laughs> I caught you. I caught you. All right, here's the picture I'm talking about. There you guys go. No, but uh, (laughs) great list, David. Great list, David. Great list. uh, Thank you. you. Yeah, I'm glad we did this. It was a nice trip down memory lane, also incorporating some of the players we have in our roster. And, you know, it's going to be weird when this list is going to look like it's going to be a completely different list of guys we don't even know who's going to be on that team. On, the, on our teams 10 years ago. Joe
0: fucking Valeno.
2: Yeah. Ian Mitchell. <laughs> there we go. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're, already getting the tw- we're already getting the next decade list started right now.
0: So. Yeah, just imagine we'd make the next podcast. Can you guys believe that Joe Valeno broke Wayne Gretzky's goal record by like 100 goals? Isn't that nuts?
2: Well, we 13 years down the road, we're doing this.
0: And he did it in just one <laughs> season.
2: My God. <laughs> that would be funny. But yeah, so I thought that was a fun little idea, a nice little change up in uh, some of our typical questions and a nice little homework assignment for us
1: That was yes, that a fun one and I think it I think it's just kind of funny like you said, to reflect on the teams this past decade who like both both teams have had it, points where they were just they were at the top of the hockey mountain, so to speak, like they were the teams to beat for a, a short period of time. So we it's got just, to see some really great players for both organizations.
2: Yeah, it's just unbelievable, uh, you know, kind of looking back on it all and how I, – I don't want to say ungrateful, but I guess that's kind of what the Blackhawks fans were just because <laughs> Blackhawks fans went into the season expecting to win Stanley Cup for five, six, seven straight seasons. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable that we had expectations like that for so long. And just looking back at like the memories and like it was some of the best times in my life, those runs and it's just unreal that you know if they didn't lose against the Kings in 2014, they probably could have won three in a row. So what a what a decade! I know it's you guys kind of have been struggling the last few years, but for both of our organizations, things seem to be with our prospect pool. Things are looking up for the start of the next decade.
0: Yeah.
1: Since this is a Owings uh, and Hawks podcast, I have it. Well, just one more thing I want to do before we transition to the flash forward and flashback. Um, let's do something for the opposite team. So I want to do a, what was like the moment for the opposite team that you really thought of a decade for them. So me and David will pick a moment for the Hawks organization, and Kevin, you and Nick can pick one for the Wings organization. Does that sound fine with everyone?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: sounds good to me. I think, at least for the Hawks organization, I think the defining moment for this decade, I want to say it was the second of the uh, Cups that you guys won. If you count the 2010 one in this uh, decade, it sort of solidified the fact that the Hawks organization finally had a group that was going to be consistently good, something that looked like it had longevity. And something that showed fans like, hey, this isn't just a flash in the pan. It's something worth sticking around for. And I think your city's sort of, well, the city and the fans have, have really gravitated toward that. And that's why they're so popular right now. And I think that's been awesome to watch.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you there, Jordan. I think, uh, you know, once that second Stanley Cup was won in 2013, and especially with the way the season went like the 24 straight games with a point it it's just it was a sign of like holy shit this team was unreal and i mean the the, the two seasons before we were eliminated the first round so yeah it's i think that was a great decision on your the on your part
1: what you say it was uh, chicago's defining moment for this decade david
0: um sorry i cut out for a second um uh, i would say your guys cup runs i mean you won yeah. let's see you won in 2010 in thirteen, fifteen, thirteen, fifteen. Yeah, you won three cups in the decade. That's pretty remarkable. So yeah, that was your guys' defining moment, in my opinion.
2: The one I uh, before I choose over to the switch over to the Red Wings ones. Uh, I think if I had to just pick for my own, I'd say the seventeen seconds is the most defining moment. Maybe in Blackhawks history you know, against the Bruins. I, if we lose that game, who knows what happens in Game Seven of the twenty thirteen Stanley Cup Final.
1: 17 seconds, that one was a pretty good one.
2: Yeah. So, Kevin, you want... Uh,
1: are... yeah, so Kevin and Nick, what are your guys' defining moments for the Wings if you're looking at them? <laughs>
2: I'll, I I mean, I'm not... I'm going to start. It's recent, but I think it's... Honestly, I mean, I know yeah, the end of the playoff streak ending, but not, I'm not going to go with that. I think uh, the hiring of... I mean, that that would be 1B. I think the hiring of Steve Eisman was... It's. I mean, it's not really going to affect this decade that much, but for your next decade <laughs> going forward, I think hiring Steve Eisenman is the best decision the Wings have made in a long time, and I yeah. think it's it's really going to shape the – it's going to bring Detroit hockey back to Detroit. It's going to bring back uh, the Red Wings that you guys used to love and still do love, but a winning Red Wings franchise.
3: Yeah, I think that's like a good thing to – like I think – Defining moments for the wings this de- this decade are actually going to be set up for next decade. So one of those is, yes, be, uh, Steve Eisman being hired. I think another one is the drafting of Dylan Larkin, who is, you know, the face of the franchise going forward. I think that's definitely a defining thing. Um, and then I don't know if this is like really a defining moment for the organization, but I just want to, because I love Nick Lidstrom, give a shout out to him. To start the decade, he won the Norris Trophy at like forty, forty-one years old. That's insane.
0: <laughs> Perfect human, dude. Perfect human.
3: Yeah, I mean, what an accomplishment to win the Norris at such an old age. Most players don't make it into, the, don't play in the league that long. And if they do, they're usually not very good. He was still at the top of his game.
0: Yeah,
2: I know it was kind of a yeah. I know this decade. It was kind of brought. It kind of ended some history with the Red Wings, like Lidstrom retiring, and then Mm -hmm. the end of the streak. But yeah, it's this decade is all about. I know the struggles, but the future is going to look bright in Detroit soon. Uh, It may take another couple years, but this decade is all about shaping, and that's what the Red Wings have been doing the last few seasons.
1: Yeah. Well, we can move on to what is probably going to be the darkest part of the episode i the, just uh, the-
0: wanted to add one more thing about like that real quick um yeah i agree larkin being drafted and iserman um signing i think you know it sucked this last decade after going through what we've been through these many years but i'm um, just like you said it's going to take probably a couple more years but i'm ready for teams to hate us again and fans to hate the red wings again i want to be like the patriots again we're like oh they keep winning everyone hates us i miss those days me too. Yeah, those are great times to be Wings fans. It wasn't a matter of if the Wings were going to make the playoffs. It was, are they going to win the cup again?
1: Hey, that really was a question for a while. It wasn't, it's, it's like you said, it wasn't, are they going to make the playoffs? It's how far are they going to go in the playoffs? We can move on now to what's going to probably be the uh, the darkest. most un- Red Wings part of this.
0: won a game! <laughs> well, breaking that. news
1: breaking <laughs> news the Red Wings defeat the Winnipeg Jets 5-2 suck it Winnipeg
0: go back to your cold ass cave in Canada
1: Glyna <laughs> is a bust but no all jokes aside the, uh, we're gonna do the flashback and the flash forward for this week for those who are new to the podcast basically what happens is we talk about the previous games for the week prior and then we do a flash forward looking at the games coming up for the week ahead and then we also do a player of the week where we each award and i guess like an mvp type award to a player on the team that we follow so since we started this podcast with hawks news let's go ahead and just start the flashback with Uh, the Hawks' last schedule of the week. So, I can't remember if we covered the game or not, but on Thursday, the Chicago Blackhawks won 4-3 to the Boston Bruins in overtime. They beat the New Jersey Devils 2-1 in the shootout. They lost to the Arizona Coyotes 4-3 in the shootout. And then they lost 5-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights and as of right now they're currently losing 4-1 to the Arizona Coyotes. So not a particularly strong week for the organ- or not a particularly strong week for the organization, but not a terrible one. Um just some quick scoring recaps. In the Boston game, goals coming from Dylan Strom, Ryan Carpenter, Alex Brinkett, and uh, Jonathan Taves, I believe got the uh, game winner. And over time, that was the uh, the breakaway, I believe. Correct.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. When he got flicked off.
1: <laughs> no, uh, the fan flicked him off in the audience, and it got on got on, on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then in the game against the New Jersey Devils in the shootout, uh, Alex DeBrinket getting the goal, the sole goal for the Hawks uh, that game before the shootout. Uh, the Coyotes game. <clears throat> Uh, Jonathan Taves getting himself a goal, uh, Debrink another goal, and Kublik uh, getting a third goal. The uh, the Vegas Golden Knights game, uh, again, Don Kublik getting a goal. So, the losses for you guys, a lot of them were pretty close aside from the blowout game versus Vegas. And, I mean, you guys are currently getting a little bit stumped right now by the Coyotes, but it's still the second period, so there's still a little bit of time to rally back. Uh, Kevin and Nick, why don't you guys just sort of walk me through what you guys thought of this week.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're kind of being generous to us, Jordan. I I think it was, think it was a disaster of a week. Yeah. I, I just thought it was brutal. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights game was a pain to watch. Uh, Kubelik mm-hmm. didn't score until, what, It was like 27 seconds left in the game? Something like that? Yeah, it didn't matter. Or, yeah, so essentially the Hawks got shut out. It was a pity goal. Uh, the one great thing to see though was Alex DeBrinket getting that confidence back. If there was a light and the shining moment for that this week, it was DeBrinket finally being confident again, shooting the puck and burying the three straight games with a goal. So he was going. He went 12 games without a goal. So it's, it's nice to see Alex DeBrinket starting to bring back his game. Other than that, just a rough week to be a Hawks fan. Uh, it was nice to see Kirby Dock have a filthy move in the shootout to beat Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils. But yeah, other than that.
3: Yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. It was just a really rough week, and a lot of these games were hard to watch. Um, you know, even the games we won, like that Devils game, it had to go to shootout, so it wasn't a convincing win by any means. And then the Bruins game shouldn't have even made it to overtime. The Bruins scored like. I don't know. Was it like three goals in the third period or something? It like they th- just rallied back. Three goals in two minutes and twenty six seconds. Yeah. Like, how do you let that happen? Like, so uh, a lot of these games just really got out of hand, and it, it was a week of games that just weren't fun to watch. And Robin Leonard's shootout struggles continue against the Canucks. Yeah. They they need to uh, they need to pull out. Blender for shootouts and just sticking Crawford.
2: Yeah, I think that's. I, I know it's. He, he even admitted he's terrible at it. Like that's the weakest part of his game, and he's frustrated. I know I kind of went into it last week about comments on shootouts, but and then uh, tonight, it, I'm I, I'm not watching obviously because we're recording right now, but uh, a revenge game for several Blackhawks. Vinny Hendershows has three assists tonight, and Nick oh just buried a goal against the Hawks too. So, uh, yeah, so not looking good. Uh, the, I always hated that Vinnie a trade, and he's really making the Blackhawks pay tonight. So, do
1: you guys have any closing remarks before we uh, recap the Red Wings' pass schedule for the week?
3: Get better. Uh,
2: better. <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> uh, I'll, should we do? Are we waiting for you guys to play of the week, or should we do it now? Or
1: uh, we'll wait until we do the Wings recap, and then okay. we'll do Player of the Week.
2: All right, sounds good.
1: The uh, the Wings past. Uh, <clears throat> Past games for the week, they played against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers and they ended up losing. Actually, no, I'm looking at last week's schedule. Sorry, I can't do math because <laughs> I forgot they had the break. So they played on uh, Saturday against the Penguins and they lost five to three. They played against the Jets on Tuesday and lost five to one. And then tonight they finally snapped the losing streak and beat the Jets five to two. Things are about who we thought they were going to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Put this little scoring summary: uh, Robbie Fabry getting a goal, Dylan Larkin getting a goal, and then Filip Ranic getting a goal in the Pittsburgh game. And then <clears throat> Christopher N getting the sole goal in the first Jets game. And then tonight when they won. Rod Fabry getting two more goals, Philip Peronic another goal, uh, Philip Zina putting himself up a goal, and then it Darren persists. Helm also getting a goal. So basically the Wings lost a game against Penguins that we all pretty much predicted was going to be a loss. Uh, they lost to the Jets once, and then they beat the Jets once. Um, David, what did you think of this week's games?
0: I mean, they went the way we thought for the most part. I mean, I said it was going to be a clean sweep of losses. I was pleasantly surprised we got a win. I mean, we're still a lot of points behind, so we still have that first spot. But it was nice to see them win a game because it's just been miserable watching them lately. Um, But, yeah, it's just been going as well as we thought it was going to go.
1: Like, I thought of the Penguins game, they weren't abysmal, like... I think the wings could have been worse that game. I think, I think the one that really puzzles me the most the are the games, games versus the Jets. Like, like today's game, they won five to two, but then the last game they lost one to five. Like, just really inconsistent. I think. Like tonight, like the team looked good. The passes looked fairly crisp. They looked. They actually wanted the win tonight. And I mean, it. I don't know. We pretty much went how we went, but I guess tonight was a really pleasant surprise because as much as a lot of us are on the tank for a Lafreniere-type train, at some point your team does need to get wins just so that the locker room just doesn't become an emotional dumpster. Yeah. Do you have any, clo- any sort of like remarks at all about the week before we were our players of the week? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this, this, before we wrap up the Player of the Week segment or the uh, the flashback segment, let's go ahead and see Player of the Week really quick. So, uh, Kevin and Nick, who is Player Week for the Blackhawks?
2: My Player of the Week is a most recent call up. I know I kind of pumped to break its tires, but I'm going to go with Dennis Gilbert. I love what he's what I've seen in him. Uh, there's a lot of Hawks fans kind of giving him hate, they, uh, but the way he's he's showing that he wants to be on this team and that he's. He's getting in scraps and I love every bit of it. He's defending his teammates. So, Dennis Gilbert's my player of the week. I like what he brought to the team. And, you know, he's got that badass mentality. He might have to fill in some big shoes for a long period coming.
3: Uh, I'm going to abstain from picking a player of the week because I don't think anyone really deserves it. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: fair. Uh, David, who would you say is the player of the week for the Wings? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with my boy Robbie Fabry. I mean the guy has three goals on the week. Um he's really fitting and gelled with the team since coming over here. Uh he's my guy for the week. Um I'm actually gonna go with Phillips Zadina. I've
1: I really liked what we saw out of him tonight, the goal to assists, the uh the really good assist that we saw the, uh, yeah, he the was game my, before. uh second choice. And he's taken steps forward which is great to see even though he's not always being put in a great position to succeed so I like what we saw out of him this week really? definitely showing flashes of what we might get from him in the future hmm that's pretty much gonna wrap it for uh tonight's episode because we don't have any fan mail at least as far as I saw
2: well, I do a quick <laughs> run through of the flash forward
1: flash forward sorry it's late for those of you who don't know it's like 10 o'clock. 10:30 yeah. right now as you record, so I'm a little bit <laughs> tired.
2: No, I know. We can do a quick. We can do a quick. We just...
1: just win loss and loss. Now, I'll pull up the schedule real quick. So the Chicago Blackhawks uh, schedule for this week uh, goes as follows. So as of this moment, they're currently playing the Arizona uh, Coyotes and they're losing four to one.
2: you can pen that. as a loss right there. So, yeah, they're not coming back.
1: All hope is gone.
2: Oh yeah, yo. Yep.
1: <laughs> um on Saturday they play against uh the St. Louis Blues.
2: Loss. Yeah, loss.
1: loss. Loss. Uh on Sunday they play against the Minnesota Wild.
3: When that that I think can be a win. Win.
1: Uh on Wednesday they play
0: against the Colorado Avalanche. Loss. Big old big old loss.
2: <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> That's a
0: loss. You're going to call them daddy. Oh, boy.
1: Next Thursday, in theory, while uh, while we're recording or right before we record, uh, they're going to be playing against the Winnipeg Jets.
3: When? Uh, I don't know. Coin flip for me. Against a team like the Jets, they should win, but just with the injuries and everything, I don't know. It's if we can, him, we can <laughs> beat them, we can beat them. That's true.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say win just to have a little bit of optimism. I'm tired of being negative.
0: <laughs> it sounds like we might be trading Mike Green. He was, uh, he
1: was on the trade block. He made an Instagram he... post that sounds like he's leaving. Yeah, I don't know what Detroit would get for him, but are
2: you I sure? Imagine... It was, are you sure it wasn't like a tribute to the the Wings finally winning a game?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he posted. Sorry to just bring this up, but I was just reading the Reddit about the game. It's been a challenging yet incredibly rewarding journey to say the least. So grateful to play my passion for a living with at Detroit Red Wings, inspiring athletes, and most importantly, have my proud family supporting me through the ups and downs. Don't stop working hard for what you believe in and who you want to be. And then he had an image that said, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Uh, sure. Sounds
3: like he's retiring.
2: <laughs> so uh, one of you guys go on the Stickblade podcast, Twitter, and break news up. Uh, Mike Green's either retiring or getting traded.
0: Or he's opening up his own pizza restaurant.
2: Could be that too. Who knows? Green pizza.
0: Greeny peesies.
2: I would not eat there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's run through the Red Wings schedule and uh, so Jordan can get some sleep.
0: The, uh,
1: the schedule for the Red Wings upcoming uh, week is going to be as follows. Uh, on Saturday, they're going to be playing against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I chalked this up as the L for
2: now. sure. Yep. Loss.
1: Yep, loss. Sunday they play against the LA Kings. I think this one's winnable.
2: I say win. That's win. That's a winnable one.
1: And on Tuesday they're going to be playing against the Columbus Blue Jackets.
2: Loss.
3: Loss, yeah. why not? I'll say loss. I'll
1: say coin they can, flip. They
3: yeah. can't
2: get They can't get too hot. They can't no. get too hot. No, they no, got to no. They got to maintain this bottom of the league stuff.
0: Lose today for Lafreniere. Lose today
1: for Lafreniere, and uh, what was the other one? It was uh, was it there was, it was lose today for Lafreniere? What was the one we came up with last week? I
0: came up with the lose today. I don't remember what you came up with. Was
2: it, there was uh, was it lose every day? You
1: no, know, I just throw it away for Lafreniere. Yeah,
2: right, that's yeah. I, pretty much
1: the schedule. Sorry, we uh, we sort of blazed through the uh, the flash forward, Evan. What is it? I think I've gotten about fifteen-ish hours of sleep in the past four days. So running on fumes at the moment. Um, Let's call it a wrap then.
2: We've had some. Me and you've had some rough weeks. And just a quick recap of my last two days. I was leaving Kalamazoo. This is, this is a nice little story that life gets better for those listening. So <laughs> I was leaving school the, or yesterday to go home, and you know I pack my car, get ready to go. And I pull out of my house and notice I have a flat, so I pull over to the, uh, the, the side of the road. No big deal. I'll put on the spare, go get a quick tire change or get the flat repaired. Turns out spare was flat, so I had to drive to car. Uh, <laughs> I had to drive to Walmart, but go to Walmart to see if it gets repaired. Right before the auto center closes, they tell me they can't repair the, They can't repair my car, so I had to stay another night in Kalamazoo, unload my car. Next morning, go to Discount Tire to get two new front tires just because I want to even them out. And I drop it off at 10.30 a.m. I don't hear back from him until 6 p.m. So it was just a shit last two days, boys. I'm ready. Oh, man. Have an
0: old-fashioned.
2: Yeah, life goes on. Uh, those who those who are going through some down times right now, uh, listen. just listen to my last two days. And you'll be like, all right, his life kind of sucks ass. <laughs>
1: But yes, I, I think for the sake of all of us, we're going to wrap tonight's episode just so we can get it done and go, hopefully get it to your guys' ears soon. Um, if nobody has anything else to add, I'm good calling this episode a wrap. Yeah. Right. As always, we'd like to thank everybody who tunes in and listens to this podcast. Uh, this is a podcast really by fans fans we do it for you guys we're not paid we don't have any sponsorships as of right now i mean this is really a passion project more than anything else so the fact that you guys want to spend your time listening to us is really awesome so we appreciate it um If you ever want to interact with the podcast in any way, shape, or form, we've got all sorts of socials that you guys can interact with us through. Uh, If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at stickbladepod. If you want to find us on email, like send us an email, you can also email us. Our email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. And then you can also find us either on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, If you want to find us on SoundCloud, it's soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast. So there's all sorts of ways that you can get in touch with the podcast. So if you have any sort of fan mail or critique or even just a question or something you want us to discuss, feel free to send it to us. We've gotten a couple messages before and they've generated some pretty good discussion for us. And it's kind of fun to interact with you guys. So if you haven't, feel free to send it to us. Um, whatever social media you use to either find a podcast or get in contact with us, feel free to give us a like, a share, a follow, whatever the currency is of choice on your, uh, media platform of choice. It really helps the podcast out, particularly on iTunes. I don't know how Apple's algorithm is set up exactly, but ratings on iTunes help a ton for helping podcasts get seen. So if that's how you listen to us in particular, please, please, please give us a rating. It helps immensely. That being said, that's basically going to be it. That's this week's edition of the Stickblade Podcast. For all of us here, I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and for my co-hosts, David Barnhouse... Kevin Musto, and Nick LePage. This has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Go Blackhawks and go Red Wings.
2: Stop losing, both of you.